And now let's all get serious. What's up there, Bogus listeners? Thanks for tuning in to the Forever Bogus Podcast Summer Hiatus Edition. That's right, we are on our summer break, but that's not stopping us from shoving more nostalgic content down your ear holes. If this is your first time listening to the Bogus Cast, welcome. Thank you for stopping by. But I'm afraid you picked up the podcast in an awkward time. Or maybe the best time. I could be wrong. I say this because this week's episode of the Forever Bogus Podcast is a rerun episode from 2015. Dare I say a seven-year-old episode? I heard the other day from somebody that 2020 was two years ago. I guess when we get to the ass end of a year, people just automatically assume that it's the following year, the new year. Uh, Don't really like that, but I see what they're saying. Well, shit, I guess 2020 was two years ago. Anyway, I had to re-release this episode because it's one of my favorite early episodes of the Bogus cast. Mostly because Eli from Magnetic Magic Rentals and I get down and dirty discussing one of the most underrated TV shows from the 90s, Eerie Indiana. Oh hell yeah. We count down our favorite episodes from the original series, not that other dimension shit, and we provide some fun trivia, some interesting insights, while highlighting all the great moments with Marshall and Simon. Next week on the Bogus Cast, we're definitely going to be diving a little more into the Summer of Pilots, and I think you're really going to like this one. Okay, well, let's get into today's rerun episode of the Forever Bogus Podcast. Take me back to Erie, Indiana. Discussing our top three favorite Yuri, Indiana episodes. Not part of the other dimension, but on the original 19 episodes. Yep. And since you are the guest, I'm going to go ahead and give you the floor. Well, thank you, sir. Um, so, okay. Number three, we have The Broken Record. The last episode. <laughs> the last episode of the series. And I, I saw this one back when... There's a couple episodes I missed when I was a kid because mm-hmm. I didn't get to watch it consistently. So this one was one that I actually caught back then and now. So nice. back then, it seemed like I could kind of relate to it in a sense. I mean, like I said, it was kind of an outcast kid. Mm-hmm. It wasn't to an extent of like physical abuse and I wasn't outrightly rebellious, mm-hmm. but... Um, <laughs> But the kid in it, uh, you know, he he found this record, this heavy metal record, mm-hmm. and put it on, and it kind of transformed him in a way. And I could yeah. still, I was still like getting into music at that time, and so this was, I would I wouldn't say it was like my introduction into heavier music, <laughs> but you know, it was definitely a segue, okay, into it, and I could it still push it. Yeah, yeah, it helped push it, and I was just kind of like, oh, that's cool, like I. 
I get that it's making him evil, but I kind of like that music. And <laughs> yeah, it was like a, a nerdy kid, a guy that got kind of picked on and whatnot, and like he tried to want to be more badass in a way. Really? Yeah. What was the band's name in that again? I it just slipped my mind. It was Pitbull Surfers. Pitbull Surfers. Butthole Surfers. Butthole Surfers. Didn't know that at the time. Watched it again later on, and I was like, oh, that's probably where they picked that up oh i'm sure i'm sure (laughs) but i mean so back then you know it was kind of relatable to me not on a very deep level but Mm -hmm. now i just love how cheesy it is and just the straight up like rock and roll nightmare trick-or-treat vibes oh yeah and definitely it's i mean it's got to be in my top three i love it so (laughs) it's it's what embodies my love of the mixture of metal and uh-huh. horror so that's awesome that's i think he even like play the record backwards and it told him what to do and stuff yep. just like trick or treat yes which is odd that's i wonder if they actually pulled from that for that movie like i wonder if they're all fans of that or the writers of the episode or whatever were fans of that movie it's very possible i mean you you see all the other things that they put into the show and mm-hmm. i i would sure they someone watched that at some point one of the writers maybe so oh yeah <laughs> I really didn't make that connection until now. Like, it's almost tongue-in-cheek in in a way. Mm -hmm. Just like, that's you're totally ripping off trick-or-treat. Very much, yeah. (laughs) But I love it. That's really cool. All right. Very good pick for number three. What you got for number three? My number three is an episode called Zombies and Pajamas. For those who don't know the episode by the title... It's an episode where it's the owner of the world of things, and he forgot to pay his taxes for the last 12 years or so. So now the IRS is on his ass. (laughs) Oh, yes. And the owner of um, the world of things is the original um, Gomez Adams. Really? Yes. I've never... I did not know that. Is that the actor or the guy's... John Astin. Yeah. He originally played Gomez Adams. Radford, that's it. Yep. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Damn. Oh, because he had the mustache. Yes. That's what threw me off. Yeah. That's correct. He didn't have like a little pencil hash and black hair and he was a little bit older. So mm-hmm. that's that's what threw me off. But the, the IRS is like after him because he hasn't paid his taxes. Uh-huh. And so he's expecting an agent to come in very soon. So he's all worried about it. He's flustered about it. He's telling Marshall all about it. And even Marshall's like, oh, man, what, what are we going to do without the world of stuff? And so the day comes, a guy shows up, says he's with the IRS, and he gives him an ultimatum. He says, if you can sell all your stuff in 24 hours, then you don't have to worry about paying me. Mm-hmm. So Radford, without even looking at the contract or anything, signs it. And even Marshall tells him, like, hey, listen, you should probably read the fine print in that because you don't know what to expect. Because Marshall's a smart kid. Exactly. (laughs) And he doesn't care. He's just like, deal. Like, I don't want to have to pay all these back taxes and whatnot and have to pay all these fees and possibly get arrested. Mm -hmm. So not only has he signed a contract to uh, confirm that deal, he also confirms his deal for, like, uh, working with the, uh, the agent from the IRS. Yep. And what happens in result of that is that they have this huge subliminal, 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 subliminal. <laughs> That's so hard to say on the why. Subliminal. Um, to make these sub, subliminal commercials and to pretty much 
uh, has like this really repetitive song and I can't get enough. That's what it was. Like, I can't get enough. Yeah. I can't get... Yeah, it was just <laughs> kept on repeating. And the, the, for some reason, this commercial made everybody sleepy and they all went to sleep and they all went to bed like really early. And then Marshall gets woken up by hearing somebody singing that tune, like, mm-hmm. can't get enough. And he runs downstairs and his dad... And his dad has a humongous kayak, like yeah. trying to bring it inside. And he's like, "Where do you get the? What is going on? What is wrong with you?" And he's knowing, noticing his other family members are doing the same thing. So he goes and investigates. Of course, he gets Simon. Mm-hmm. He goes and investigates, and he ends up at the world of stuff. And there's all these people who are just sleepwalking. They're zombies, yep. and they're buying and signing this contract with this IRS agent for no like for a credit card, pretty much almost. It's for, it's for credit and they're not you know they're not reading the fine line or anything like that and to go on Marshall and Simon like try to stay up which is also kind of makes me feel like Nightmare on Elm Street in a way like they're like trying to fight it right and this is a ridiculous scene <laughs> of them slapping each other to keep each other up and I'm just like just deadpan stare yes and slap and slap like it's just ridiculous but then they, they fall asleep mm-hmm after they finally yeah they they finally pass out and they wake up in their world of stuff and now the gray-headed guy who's the kid who has a gray hair Mm -hmm. he is actually trying to help them this time because he was a part of the irs agents team for like like marketing team and commercial team and stuff and that's the kid with the black overcoat that keeps showing that's correct yeah Yeah. okay so the gray-headed kid is helping them out this time, mm-hmm. and they're trying to find a way to stop the IRS agent. He helps them, and they figure out a way to finally get back at him mm-hmm. because they're taking over everybody. And so in result of that, the real IRS agent comes to audit them, and all of them are confused. They're like, what is, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And like, how is this even happening? And he's in the the IRS agents like, okay, well, I need to see all your receipts in the last you know twelve years or whatever because you haven't paid your your taxes. And Radford was like, oh well, actually, I don't have any of that. Like, I'm pretty much no longer the owner because I've sold all my stuff. Like, it's now this guy's yeah. stuff who was the the bogus <laughs> IRS agent. Name drop. And so what happens is that he like realizes that he's been defeated and he like shrinks up and there's like smoke everywhere and stuff like he's being sent back to hell uh-huh. and what's really weird about that episode is that when all the the zombies of the town that were created by this guy the his last like deal for his contract was he gets to keep their keep their soul uh-huh. and that's what Marshall finds out in the fine print is like pretty much you're, you're signing your soul away and so at the end of the episode right before the end of the episode that demon pretty much what you find out the first IRS agent is sending all the townspeople to the mall but on the bus that they're all getting onto the little like destination sign like mm-hmm. it's like the mall and it flickers and it flickers to the hell <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so by the end of the episode, when he disappears and stuff, you realize he was a demon working for Satan. Yes. And he was trying, you know, trying to scam Radford. Uh, just what I, what's really funny is like we're you know working. I work in advertising, uh-huh. and so I I see the tongue in cheek like direct 
hits in, uh-huh. in the nature of this, even even back then. Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, it's still true today. You know, advertising has always been the same way, but mm-hmm. it's just it's very true and it's very funny. So <laughs> I appreciate that. Absolutely. What's really cool kind of has a Scooby Doo ending, but it's like the tables turned. Mm-hmm. And the the IRS agent who well you think is a real IRS agent to come in to audit them takes off his mask and it's Marshall Taylor. Yes. And so that was their entire plan, and it completely worked. And how badass is that? That is, yeah. (laughs) Marshall? Wow. Just like on TV. (gasps) Now let's move on to your number two. All right, so my number two, and I'm sure you remember this one, because I know I do, man. (laughs) The ATM with the heart of gold. Oh, yes. That fucking ATM, it, I wouldn't say, it didn't scare me uh-huh. then, but, like, it didn't scare me per se, but I, it stuck with me, though. Yeah. It was just such a memorable thing for me, and because I loved looking into this this uh, technology takeover, mm-hmm. even then. Especially was, in the 90s, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was very, I mean, it was, it was new, it mm-hmm. was kind of scary, kind of creepy, you didn't really think of it, and, um... I didn't know how to accurately describe it then, but looking back, like the idea of an AI that could think for itself was terrifying. <laughs> Definitely. And the fact that it friended this kid for ulterior motives. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, it's, it's creepy. It's my mind too scary. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's, I just, and I feel, I also think that this was probably the episode I saw the most because it always happened to be on when I was watching. Weird. Like it was just the, always, it was always the rerun that uh-huh. I happened to catch. And so I think that's why it stuck with me too. But, um, I mean, I also put myself in Simon's shoes in this episode a couple mm-hmm. times, even when I was a kid and I was like, I had this like moral quandary. Like, would, yeah. would I, would I take the money? Would do yeah. I, do I trust the ATM? Like if I was Simon and I was kind of lonely, like he's, you know, he's not the most popular kid. Do you, what do you think? What do you think? What do you view? Because yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I would probably now and then would ignore it mm-hmm. and just kind of keep going. Just like, oh, it's, you know, it's an AI. It's, but if it tries to offer me money, I'm going to be like, oh, it's broken. Obviously, I'm going to mm-hmm. leave. But <laughs> well, it's funny because like Marshall Taylor's dad created it. Why yes. didn't Simon go to him? Yeah, true. And not only that, Simon did go to Marshall and Marshall did, said nothing to his dad. Yeah, that's anyway, true. I never continue. thought about that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like you know, looking in the perspective of Simon, yeah, he's that down, uh, down on his luck kid mm-hmm. that um, came from nah, not the best home, and you know, it's it's offered them, him this opportunity, so he didn't see. I automatically I would see that as evil and freak out, but yeah. like he, you know, he took the chance and went with it, and obviously it at its downfall as Definitely. we saw but yeah. but yeah absolutely that that atm has always stuck with me <laughs> and yeah just the the obsession with the evil technology it's just another level of horror that was really fun to get into at that time absolutely. very very fresh so. yeah and that was even before like uh i robot and i mean even as a kid, I, I realized that this is like a, a very original concept, but still very frightening in a way. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm sure there was other stuff around that time, but mm-hmm. I don't recall anything that stood out to me as much as seeing that. Exactly. So. And like, even today, that's frightening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, that's what, we're getting closer and closer to the point where like, if 
uh, if our viewers have seen Ex Machina yet, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's it's scary almost that we're getting to that level of technology. That's going to happen before too long, and so that right. level of AI, it's it's going into uh, like video games and smaller testing testing levels. But mm-hmm. you know, when they bring it up to the uh, the full extent of what it can actually do. <laughs> Is it going to overturn our society? Like, it's kind of yeah, scary. Easily, but. yeah. Without our... Like, we can't control it whatsoever. Oh, no. There's like, no they way. They have control over us. Yeah. And that's what's the most frightening. Because we don't have control. they're built to know how to get past and make you trust them. Exactly. Then, Almost manipulate you. Yeah. And that's what uh, the ATM was kind of doing. what the ATM was doing, yeah. Yeah, with, it was manipulating with, him. With money. With but, money. Yeah. And not only that episode des- described that and played on that very well, it also had a moral to the to the episode mm-hmm, pretty much and it, it was about money and popularity and the pretty much the moral was money isn't everything yeah, money can't buy you happiness yeah and i love how the episode ends too because you have marshall and simon in their basement like kind of wrapping up their case mm-hmm. and <laughs> simon is talking about his very expensive sneakers yep and he's like, like friends are kind of like expensive sneakers. They cost a lot of money, but they never last and they fall apart. And like, and that was how the episode ended. Yeah. And I think it ended on the best note. It was so well written. <laughs> it was. It was a great episode. So yeah, that's my my number two. So awesome. What do you and, have? Well, actually, I really wanted that in my top three, and mm-hmm. it, it sat there for quite a while because it does have a, it does hold a special place in my heart. Very much, yeah. Because even as a kid, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Oh, I could be rich. Like, is that possible? And then, like, kind of growing up, I realized mm, that's weird and that's wrong. Yeah. But I ended up getting bumped out of my top three, which is okay because my top my my second pick. It stays so stuck with me to this day. And I think it was one of the most memorable episodes for me. Because like, like you said, the ATM episode was kind of came on a lot while you, yeah. ever, whenever you tuned in. This episode was the same way. My, my second pick is called The Lost Hour. <laughs> yes. And oh man, and like if you can see me right now, I'm already cheesing just talking about this episode because I get a chance to talk about this episode because it is almost a mind fuck yeah. of, a, of an episode. And this kind of like got me into um, movies that had a twist at the end of it. It was more of like a psychological thriller that kind of got me started into like, you know, Fight Club mm-hmm. and stuff like that. They had like a huge twist at the end of it. But anyway kind of go into detail about the episode it's kind of like an episode of pete and pete in a way because and there's an episode of pete and pete called time tunnel okay yeah and in the episode of pete and pete they're trying to go they're trying to relive an hour because it's daylight savings time and so they're kind of trying to go back in time okay now in erie indiana in the lost hour it's daylight savings time Uh however they're trying to like gain an hour they're trying to get that lost hour that they deserved Mm -hmm. yeah and so marshall's like not conforming he's like i don't why why what's the point in this like i don't who cares who cares what time it is (laughs) and i think like in erie and erie indiana Uh i think like their time change was different than everybody else's it was really odd for erie indiana of course so it was different so like marshall was pissed off about it he's like i'm not changing my clock 
you know what, whatever. And so before um, Marshall and Simon go to sleep, everyone changes their clock except for Marshall. They wake up the next morning. Simon's like, hmm, where's Marshall at? That's weird. And so he goes to breakfast, which Simon's always there, <laughs> always there to eat breakfast or eat dinner or hang out with the family. Which, yeah, it's a, he kind of get tipped off even as a kid. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. that's weird, but. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. No, that's normal. <laughs> <laughs> and even the family are confused of where Marshall's at. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of goes black. And then you kind of get the same scene, except for it's Marshall waking up alone. He's like, huh. I wonder where Simon's at. I'll go, I guess, get breakfast. Yep. Goes downstairs, nobody's there. Hmm, maybe they're outside. Goes outside, nobody's there. And he starts to realize it's kind of like a Twilight Zone episode. The entire town is just deserted. All the time in the world. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. There's finally time. <laughs> and so he's like, hmm, this is weird. Let me investigate this. So he starts roaming around the block and then he catches up with these guys are in black and they're driving like this garbage truck. And he's like, hey, y'all, hey, guys, can you help me? Like, I'm so confused. Like, where, where is everybody? What time is it? Like, what's going on? Yep. And these guys like really don't say anything to him. And then he, they pretty much like try to capture him. And so he starts running away. And then out of nowhere, this milk truck just stops right in front of him. Now, at this point, I kind of want to take a step back because I forgot a part. <laughs> at the beginning of the episode, you see a milk carton and it has missing, mm-hmm. like you used to see back in the day. Yep. And it had this chick on it and she's been missing for like three or four months. Okay, flash forward. He's running away from those people in black and the milk truck comes out of nowhere, like almost runs over him, and he like falls to the ground and result of that, and like gets confused, and this old guy like just jumps out of the van and he has a milk, you know, a milkman suit on and like long white hair. Like it looks like he's probably like in his late seventies or something. Yeah. He's he's getting up there. And he almost is almost kinda like a Doc Brown uh, moment. He's like, Marshall, you need to come with me. Like, like jump in my jump in my milk truck. We need to get out of here if you want to live. And so he does so, of course. Uh-huh. I, I would probably do the same thing. I don't know. The people in black are running after me. So you got two options. Like, yeah. okay, what are you gonna do? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. I guess I'll go with this crazy guy. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty much the guy gets him away from, from the people and Marshall's like questioning everything. He's like, what is going on? Uh-huh. Like, I don't understand. This is like, this is a different paradox. Like, am I a different dimension? Like what was up with this? And he like pretty much gives him like some bullshit excuse like kind of like brushes mm. it off like you have stepped into the lost hour like you wish you wish to have that hour didn't you and marshall's like you're right i did wish for that and marshall's like kind of realizes this as like an opportunity kind of do whatever the hell he wants to do which as a kid that's what i wanted to do i wanted to stop time and do whatever the fuck i wanted to do <laughs> and i i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna build on that too because and i'm not really sure where along the line that this idea of a tradition for me came from Mm -hmm. and I never made it very public, but I always do it, uh, in my own head. Mm -hmm. And so like when we're going to go back an hour, I'm like this from this last hour, like nothing's going to matter. Yeah. So I just do whatever I want and then I gain it back. (laughs) So like if I'm working really hard, I will stop 
and just be completely lazy and yeah, do whatever I want. For a good and hour. it's right back. I'm right back to it. And it's, it's, it could, I do remember seeing that episode when mm-hmm. I was a kid. Um, I remember clock stoppers coming out. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's somewhere along the lines of that. So Absolutely. I, I follow in that tradition. Yes. yes. And like, like I said, as a kid, like, we wanted that. Yes, you we wanted, wanted that. A, we wanted a stopwatch or a wristwatch that could stop time. Yes. Like we wanted to relive an hour that or gain an hour that we lost or Preferably whatever. Preferably not with black, mm, no. shadowy garbage men. Mm, no. <laughs> so going back to that, those garbage men were still pretty much going after him. And somehow Marshall gets away and even gets away from the milkman. He ends up in this place like alone, and he realizes that the like the the garbage man is coming close. Uh huh. And then out of nowhere, this chick comes and like saves him almost. Like he's like, "Come follow me," and like he he does it. <laughs> and as a kid, definitely had a crush on this chick. I had a crush on a lot of like TV like girls that were my age. Oh man, we could have a whole episode. <laughs> we on that. should. Yeah, that's a good idea for an episode. <laughs> Because we can definitely feel like three hours full oh, of like sure. my crushes. I had a lot. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, so, so they get away and they almost get caught again. However, the milkman saves him once again. Doc and Brown to the rescue. Doc Brown to the rescue. And so he gives him even more detail of what's going on. And to find out, the chick that saved Marshall's life is the chick, same chick that's on the side of the milk carton mm. that's been missing for a while. Mm-hmm. And so he's starting to make these connections. And then the milkman finally gives him a way to get back. And it was pretty much to have somebody who was in the present set their clock. Like set the clock of the person who's in a different, uh, different time paradox. And then he will somehow be zapped back into present time. And so through the, he looks through the back of the milk truck Mm -hmm. and somehow that projects his face on the side of the milk carton that (laughs) Simon is conveniently conveniently holding at Simon breakfast and he was like oh Marshall what is going on and like Marshall's like freaking out he's like you got to set my clock for or whatever remember that yes (laughs) and which was odd but I still love it yeah, even no, to this it was, day I'm like great. that's so cheesy I love it <laughs> like quit it the I window it. to the window between times is a milk carton like, <laughs> who would have thought oh <laughs> and so he does it and at the final moment you find out who the milk the milkman actually is and it's Marshall mm-hmm. from the future he's been stuck in this time paradox for the longest time trying to run away from all these garbage men and stuff and so he finally gets to save himself. And like that's that's a twist. Yeah, that is that moment is very redeeming. Like, yes. <laughs> and even as a kid, I'm like, whoa! Wait a minute. <laughs> Take a step back here. Even even bigger than the uh CIA mask reveal. It's <laughs> yeah. a giant Scooby Doo moment. Like Yeah, definitely. But like over the top. Yes. Yeah. And it's just so perfect. Yeah. And like I forgot about that, and I revisited that episode, like I said, on Netflix and whatnot, and was still blown. I was yes. just like, "Oh shit!" You forget, you forget. Like, whoa, that was good writing there. That's like, <laughs> holy, holy crap! I'm taken aback by it. Yes, and so he makes it back in present time, along with the chick, and the chick's family's like, which was odd how it ends. 
Like Marshall's like, hey, I'm just waking up after Simon like gave him all these excuses. Like he started running. He's <laughs> checking out this weird shit that's happening in the field. And like the Marshall gives the, the narration at the end of it, of course. Mm-hmm. And I forgot the chick's name, but it's like the chick got back to her family that she's been gone for like three or four months, but they didn't question it because it didn't matter. It's like, wait, Marshall. It does matter. No, it like, totally matters, Marshall. What are you doing, I man? Think you understand <laughs> missing children. Yeah. Anyway, that's my number two, and I love it for all those reasons. Yes. <laughs> it's just great. I and, agree. I agree. And very still much. to this day, like like I said, it's, the twist is just great. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Louie, and I'm Dave. Do you love Halloween? Do you like hearing about it year-round? Then check out our Haunted Hangover podcast, available on all streaming platforms. We cover everything from nostalgic memories to your favorite Halloween specials. Hey Dave, what's the best cure for a hangover? More booze. And now, back to the show. Alright, let's uh, let's bring it down here. Number one. Mm It's. I feel like you might already know what it's gonna be, but America's scariest home video. Yes. This was just. I mean, when I saw this as a kid, I was already you know obsessed with the black and white horror. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's semi what I was raised on. My mom pushed me on to Universal stuff. Yeah, aside from X-Files, she loved Universal Monsters. And so that was my realm of understanding of monsters. And um, it just, it it grew me a lot from that episode. I fell in love with it because my love for the monsters already mm-hmm. and it just spotlighted a whole genre in an episode oh, yeah it was crazy in 23 minutes you get so much so much references and stuff from yeah. that genre. And, and it wasn't outrageous. even multiple i mean yeah they did do some channel surfing mm-hmm. but it was i mean mainly the mummy it mainly but, yeah but it was just the fact that i mean i i picked up on the references then because mm-hmm. of who i was and what i was into and I was completely obsessed with the idea of things breaking into other dimensions, mm-hmm. breaking <laughs> and, through walls. Like, yeah. And uh, it, it was just, it was like a bunch of things I loved packed into one. It was the black and white horror. Mm-hmm. It was, it was <laughs> breaking through physically breaking through media sets, just TV, mm-hmm. uh, crossing dimensions, just an homage to everything that yeah. I was like, it was also like with filming in there. Yeah. Like, it, it just it had everything for me definitely it yeah. hit all corners more than any other episode for me mm-hmm. and i absolutely loved it <laughs> and i i agree with you i absolutely love that episode too and it's on another level as well because it's a halloween episode that too yes mm-hmm. because it was the late night marathon yes. that he gets sucked into yep. and the fact that i also even then and still now just i hated that kid <laughs> And Simon's brother? Yeah. And I like I, I hated him, but that never makes me dislike something for hating the kid. Mm-hmm. If the child actor can make me hate them, I'm like, that's either really good right. writing or uh-huh. that's good acting. Yeah. And so I was yeah, super annoyed and I hated that kid. But <laughs> so it like it hit multiple emotions mm-hmm. for me too. Really. And I think that episode in particular 
as an homage to, of course, Universal mm-hmm. uh, monsters, but also for 80s, almost slasher in a way. Oh, yeah. Because the the mummy gets zapped out of the television as Simon's brother gets stuck in the television in the mummy Universal monsters world. And causing like havoc, he's just breaking the set in down each, and each, running, yeah. running to the chick that's been screaming from the mummy forever. It was, it was, it was awesome, and it was comical at the same time. Exactly, that's what I'm trying to get to. Yeah. Is that the episode was so cheap? Like, there's some the dialogue was cheesy, the action almost almost like um, slapstick in a way. Oh yeah, and it was very intended. Yes, yeah. absolutely. In the part where like the mummy, um, well. Okay, so the sister is kind of like overlooking Simon and Marshall as they babysit the Simon's brother. Yeah. But the uh, Marshall's, sister. yeah, the Marshall's sister said, I'm not answering the door. Like if the doorbell rings, you you answer it. Mm-hmm. And so they're like freaking out because they're trying to get Simon's brothers out of the TV and the doorbell's just going and going and going. At this time, like the mummy's running around and stuff <laughs> and whatnot. And uh, the sister's like pissed. Goes like so like, floored, goes she, down the stairs. She doesn't even care. I know. That there's a mummy. I know. Like- and like she takes the mummy, who is like a grown ass man, <laughs> and like this crazy he's, wrapped mummy, he's probably decaying. Yes. Like, and she's like, "Oh, it's a trick or treater. Yeah. What? That's weird that you're in my house, but here's candy and leave." And that whole part was hilarious, it especially was. like the mummy was like, "Oh, oh, oh, oh okay," and, like she's leaves. so oblivious, and he's just like, oh, "All right, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess sure. I've been I've been asleep for thousands of years. I guess I, guess I yeah. Can. <laughs> and like before that, he was like kind of stalking her or whatever, uh-huh. like kind of like a slasher flick, flick in the way. But just that moment, I'm just like, it's so over the top, it's so cheesy, and it was on purpose. It was it was intended. Oh, very much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. All right, now for my number one pick, and this was hard. In the last couple weeks since I told you I wanted to do this episode about Erie, Indiana, mm-hmm. I revisited every single episode. And I, I really do fall in love with every single episode because it's so well written, so well acted. There's so many great reference, references that I'm still picking up on yeah. to this day. And so it just became almost a headache to figure out exactly <laughs> what my number one pick will be. And... I would like to have an honorable mentions because there are some that I wish I could have put in this episode. It, like the whole season? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Absolutely. And I will say my honorable mention for number one um, because I think that it definitely deserves some sort of slot in here. And that is the pilot episode. And that is Foreverware. Foreverware, yes. And it's, even to this day, it's still like, creeps me out it doesn't freak me out it just like really kind of gets under my skin in a way i'm just like that's and, so and weird talking on t- touching on stuff very you know stepper wives yes very hitting on that yeah definitely and like just the desperation of the mother of those two the two twins uh-huh. to keep them young and like and like what she would do to, to be able to make that happen just really creeped me out as a kid and creeps me out even more now because I'm like so <laughs> like it makes like, you question your mom yeah <laughs> what like like okay hon I'm going to a Tupperware meeting <gasps> yeah no 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 but that's not my number one pick but that is an honorable, honorable mention because I really wanted to be my number one and it 
remain my number one for the longest time mm-hmm. until I rewatch this episode multiple times. And this episode is called Reality Takes a Holiday. Talk about breaking the fourth wall here. <laughs> to the fullest extent of anybody ever doing it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And I honestly wanted to do a retrospect on this episode, like a live uh, review retrospect and our thoughts on this episode for the podcast. But unfortunately, we don't have time for that. But it definitely deserves something like that. Yes. Like I, I wish there was some sort of commentary to it because this episode is just everywhere. It crosses genres. It, like I said, it breaks the fourth wall. It makes you question reality with an eerie. It makes you question reality in your own world. It's just outrageous. Yes. And like as a kid, I did not, I did not understand it. Yeah, it, it was hard to grasp. It was super confusing. Yes. I remember. It wasn't until later when I revisited it it that I actually began began to understand it and started like actually picking things that started to happen in the, the beginning of the episode that uh-huh. affected the rest of the episode. I'm like, I didn't even see that. I didn't realize that. That's odd. <laughs> <laughs> to kind of give you some detail about this episode. Marshall is hanging out with the family at the dinner table like they usually do. And Simon's there of course. And they're all talking about Ooh, we're going to have a paid expense trip to go see a movie and it's going to be a horror movie and Marshall of course you love horror movies you love all this stuff oh, yeah. like aren't you excited about it mm-hmm. and he was like well you know like um, nah, I'm good I really don't want to go see this and everybody's baffled like, <laughs> but this is your this is your favorite and it's like all paid for like, don't you want to go with the family and hang out I think even his like narration was like it's kind of embarrassing to see, to see you out in like a family outing, yeah. And, and like I definitely felt that as a kid sometimes too. Oh, yeah. I'm like, man, my family. Is so... <laughs> yeah, like see friends, you're like, uh, yeah, damn it, don't talk to me. <laughs> so Marshall's like, you know, I got some investigating to do, Simon, and Simon's like, well, I guess I can stay here and investigate. And Marshall's like, well, if you really want to go, you can go. And Simon's like, duh. <laughs> yeah, of course I'll go. It's like, it's all paid for. I'm coming from a poor family. Of course I want to go see this radical ass go. movie that was like rated by those twins, like two fingers up. <laughs> and the joke was like, which fingers? Anyway. <laughs> 90s comedy for you. <laughs> and so they leave. And the episode begins. He's saying he's waving goodbye to him. They're driving away. Like he's like almost out in the street at this point. Mm-hmm. He turns back around and he notices a black crow on top of his mailbox. So Marshall walks towards the crow in the mailbox. As he gets as he approaches closer, the crow flies away, opens up the mailbox, pulls out a paper that's been stapled, has many you know, pages, of course, and he reads it. It says, Erie, Erie, Indiana, episode, Reality Takes a Holiday. So, of course, it's Marshall Taylor. He opens it up. He's curious. And he starts reading it. And it's the exact dialogue that he just had with his parents at the table. Like, word for word. So, at this point, he's like, hmm, this is very odd. Yeah. Kind of remembers his dad saying... Like, Marshall, like, you, you're getting to the point where you're investigating so many things, you're not going to understand what's real from reality. And like, what's fake from reality? 
and that kind of soaks into him at that point. He's like, this is, this something's not right. Like, this is so odd. So out of confusion, he walks back into his house to see his family there. His family are sitting down. He's confused, and then the dialogue starts that like he just read off the script. Yep. He's like, but, but wait, you guys just said that. And he delivers a line that his dad just said. And his dad freaks out. He's like, I just said that. Cut and like you see like the and camera then, pan out and, it and it's just all comes set. together. Yeah, it just all goes fucking crazy at this point. I feel like because then the you know the camera pans out and then you see the set. And you see the director come on and Simon walks over and gets pampered. Yeah, <laughs> it's so wild. And even at this point, you're confused with Marshall. You're like, what? What's going on right yeah. now? And so you see all the actors get up from the table who's playing his, fam- playing his family and the director's like talking to Marshall like saying like you can't do this like what are you doing you're ruining you're ruining the show mm-hmm. and he like just, just throws like pretty much a towel and he's like alright everybody take a, take a lunch and so everybody gets up and like leaves the table at this point Marshall's like trying to still trying to figure out what's going on and he sees this guy, which still makes me crack up today, laugh out loud today. He sees this, uh, this older guy carrying, you know, the usual jacket that he wears. Yeah. And he's like, hey, that's my jacket. And the guy, like, gives him, like, a weird, like, look and, like, rolls his eyes. <laughs> and he straight up, like, just takes it off his shoulder. And he's like, well, I'm holding it. Yeah, he's like, I'm holding it for you so it won't get dirty for the next scene. And he was, like, uh, like still confused and just walks away from him. Yeah. So at, even, at, like, as a kid, I'm just, I'm like, well... I guess I'll just enjoy the ride. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah, it was it was very confusing. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I mean, to the point where as soon as he pulled the script out, I was like, oh, that's weird. And then everything just went downhill South. for me from yeah. there. I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't understand this. And it's cool because like you're finding things out along the way that Marshall's finding things out, mm-hmm. which is odd kind of an odd uh, formula for a show for this show because sometimes you see like what happens before that he didn't get to see or, or whatever so you kind of have more of a gist or understanding than marshall does sometimes but this time it's different like it's, you're along with him. it's it's interactive in mm-hmm. a way. yes yeah definitely and even like it, it makes you interactive in a way because you're also guessing you're trying to figure out why is this happening like is this reality or is this like something that marshall is just like somehow came up with like he fell into like a weird state that he fell into it's odd and so you're but you're there the entire time that marshall's figuring all this out and so he pretty much tracks down the director which i'm not for sure but maybe actually played by the actual director of the show or the producer of the show or the creator of the show. Could be. I'm not for sure. I looked like, I tried to look up the trivia and research that, but I didn't find anything. Oh, uh, yeah. But I'm curious. I'm very curious if, if it was. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too surprised if it was. So. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and so like along the way, if he's trying to find the director, he interacts with like his older sister. His older sister's acting like a complete different person. Yeah. He's like t- trying to talk to his mom. He's calling her mom. And even like the actress is like, why does this kid keep calling me mom? Like, she's like smoking a cigarette, like yeah. acting like completely out of character. And then he's like, "Well, the only person I can rely on at this point is Simon." Uh-huh. And even at this point, even like you said it before, Simon. even Simon's like getting pampered. He has like this huge like FUBU like yep. coat on that's like multicolored, that. and he's like on a cell phone talking to him, his like producer or Which something is or agent because it's straight up in line with his character to oh, do that. Like. Yeah, <laughs> and I love it. Even even more for that reason yeah 
I mean, you saw what happened with the shoes and stuff when all the money went to his head. So. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so he finally tracks down the director. And at this point, things get even darker and weirder because you're starting to slowly figure things out. And he was like, Marshall's like talking to the director. And he's like, what is the script? Like, what is going on here? And the director takes that as a way as like, oh, you're trying to rewrite the script or something? Like, you're trying to put your own twist on it? Yeah. And Marshall's like, no, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on right now. And then the gray-headed kid comes in and starts, like, trying to make changes. And pretty much puts words into Marshall's mouth. Yeah. And makes the director write in a death scene for him. <laughs> Which is so crazy. And after that, you slowly figure out that this is probably reality. And you're figuring out things about the show that you had never known about. Mm-hmm. Like, like you know, stuff that's like props or sets and stuff like that. And like, I, mean, I didn't realize that as a kid. Like, now I'm like, oh, that's from that episode. Yeah. Like, well, it's, that's I cool. mean, it's a very, very behind-the-scenes look. <laughs> yeah, and I love that because, like, you really don't get that with a lot of shows, like Saturday morning shows like that. They never went that much depth and detail. Which is really funny because with all these references they threw to in other episodes, now they're referencing themselves. <laughs> yeah. So they just broke the wall, the fourth wall, like three times. Yeah, they broke seriously. It the first time with the set, uh-huh. the second time where you're following Marshall, you're mm-hmm. in the episode now, the third time referencing themselves to other. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> they're like crossing different like layers and different like it's all these lines that they're crossing. It's just wild. Yeah. So at this point, you're like looking at Marshall, who we know him as Marshall, but they know him as the actor. Yeah. It's so crazy. It is crazy. It's, it's just it's, a, almost a mind fuck. And like, like I said, I've rewatched a lot of these, and I've re- I had to rewatch the episode like three or four times to start picking up on on things. And I'm like, well, that now makes connection, and that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so. Marshall comes up with an idea. I can't remember if he got it like somehow like out of Simon or something. Because I think that Simon was like, like, uh, well, if you don't like it, like how this is, you should just rewrite it for yourself, whatever. Yeah. And I kind of, you know, lit up the the light bulb. And Marshall's like, well, you're right. I want to go rewrite this. And so pretty much they act out the scene of his his death scene, and it was supposed to like take some bullets and like supposed to be super dramatic uh-huh. and, and he's like has a humongous like mild monologue at the end or something it's outrageous he, he like i said he rewrote the script and so at the end of it like everyone's going crazy like i think i can't remember i think it's a gray-headed kid it's like running after him he's like no you, you can't say action like you can't like you're gonna die like you're running <laughs> after him and stuff and he like counts down pretty much marshall marshall count, counts down closes his eyes Counts down to one. Action. Opens up his eyes. He's back in the dining room. Like nothing happened. Yep. At all. I think it, like even his dad repeats. Like you're not going to know the difference between what's, you know, what's fake and what's reality. And I honestly. Almost like time never passed at all. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, like I still don't understand exactly what, what that episode meant. It would be interesting to look up some theories mm-hmm. and fan theories on that. Absolutely. Ooh, 
I'm definitely going to have to Google that later and try to figure some of that out. Because, I mean, I, I can come up with some stuff. Oh, yeah. But I, I, don't, I don't have, like, any concrete evidence yet. Yeah. But, I mean, overall, it's my number one episode for that reason. It's such a, like, they completely burst out of the formula that you're used to. Um, and included a lot of references from, from different stories. And, like, it had so many different twists in it. You get to see different... Like you get to see, as you know, the characters act completely out of character. Oh yeah, I it, it's it surprises me that that wasn't pegged as like the last episode. See, that was actually what I was getting ready to say. Like, okay. why wasn't that? Yeah, the last episode that would have been the biggest bang to go out. Yes, on. and that would have made. I mean, that series even more memorable than it already is. <laughs> but I wonder if at that time maybe they didn't know that they were going to get canceled or booted could be or right. Like that, so. Which makes that episode even more interesting because when I originally watched it, not as a kid, but like when I rewatched it on Netflix, I thought that was the last episode. I did too for the longest time, and yeah. then I was like, "What's this broken record? Huh? Yeah. Like, oh, this is the last episode. And even like how that ends, I'm just like, why is that? What was that the last episode? Yeah, like really, <laughs> I I don't understand." to this day yeah reality takes a holiday should have been the last episode i agree tune in next week for more summer surprises stay bogus